days at the playground or right out in the street baseball Hi, I'm Steve Rowley. This is the Ted Williams League podcast. I'm sitting and we're here with Matt Marini, Ryan McDonald, the foreman, just about on his way off to college. My old friend Charlie, way back from high school, and Dylan McDonald, who just recently umpired a double-A playoff game, did a great job doing it. How you guys doing tonight? Great, Steve. How about you? Ah, doing all right. Just had some pizza. Rye, how you doing? I'm doing good. Charlie? Yeah, I'm doing good too. Thank Dylan? you. Dylan? I'm doing great. Happy to be back on the podcast. It's been a while, but we've been busy over here at the TWL headquarters. We have. <laughs> That's Dave's horn. <laughs> we'll talk about that another time. But, uh, hey, who posted on Ted's birthday? Who posted that? I saw it somewhere. Was it on Instagram? Or? Yeah, I posted that on my Instagram story. Yeah, that was cool. I got a big kick out of that, you know? Um, the old was, man turned 103. Yeah, he he was the best. There's no question about it. We'll have to do a a, a stories uh, stories with Ted Knight sometime on the podcast because I it was very fortunate to have spent a lot of time around him and uh, he would have really loved this. So Double A goes through its playoffs and uh, we're heading into the championship game next Sunday uh, at Bryantville. And it's going to be a rematch from last year. Uh, Cardinal will play against Purple uh, again. Uh, same teams as last year. It's going to be interesting. Now, I didn't think that was going to happen. And this year, the first three teams were separated pretty much by a half a game. Uh, Dylan, you had managed the fourth place team. But, boy, I'll tell you, they were one of the funnest teams to watch. I think you really did a great job bringing them along. Ryan pitched on that team. Matt played some shortstop and some second base, and uh, pretty much my whole podcast crew was on that team, and it was really fun for you guys to, to watch it. Did you guys have a good time with it? Or? I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was my first year as a captain in the Ted Williams League, and to be fair, I was probably one of the youngest captains as well. Uh, we we had a difficult season. We finished with a record of 1-9, and nine, but it was a little stressful at times, too, being my first year, but I'm really proud of myself at the way the season turned out because the last regular season game of the year, we got we got our first win. We won 8-7, to seven, and we actually played really well on Sunday, too. Um, what's important to note, too, is 11 out of the 15 original players on our team had never played in the Ted Williams League before. They're all Ted Williams League rookies, and I'd say about half of those were, I'd say, ages 18 or under. And they're going up against guys in the other team who are who are all TWL veterans. Most of those guys have been in the league for a number of years, and yeah. I just think they're they're not like the most athletic guys, but they're a lot smarter mentally in the field. And I think that's where the other teams had the advantage compared to us. Yeah, I think uh, I think that that uh, youth is youth, and um, there are some advantages to it, and there is a lot of advantages for veteran play and. What you could see a lot of with you guys was, um, you know, uh, maybe not being able to put the ball in play as much as you'd like to, uh, not maybe knowing, like, where the ball should go uh, all the time, whereas the older guys, um, a little bit better, you know, um, plate selection, they kind of know this play's going a third, they, you know, uh, 
a, a little bit more experience. It's as simple as that. You know, maybe not as um, reckless on the bases and stuff like that. Just little things that add up uh, over the course of a season that that'll affect your record. I thought you guys did really well. I was, I thought you you played much better than I thought you were going to. I can say that, and I was able to watch a lot of it. I thought Ryan pitched great. You know, uh, had some real nice games. I thought your playoff game was fantastic. And, um, you know, like, for example, the uh, the play that stands out in my mind is the dive-in play. Matt makes a dive-in play. And the shortstop, who's a good player, did not c- what I call close the play. So Matt, the man on first, Matt dives to knock down a ground ball. And he's ready to, like, he's playing second base. He's looking to back elbow feed it, and there's nobody at second closing the play. He just didn't get there in time. And as a result, you know, we don't get any outs, and this is the type of stuff that happens. Where an older guy would have, i got to be there. I have to be there in case he needs that force. Right. And, you know, just a second behind, that sort of stuff. And that adds up over the course of a, of a season, and... Um, but I thought you guys did very well, and I think you could have won more games, and I think you will if you stay together. But what else do we got? You know what was really interesting? Let's jump on. Let's jump on our Double A two player coming up for a debut. So Anthony Mealy, who's closing in on what we call level five in our camp, he I show up to the game, and I'm going to umpire the game, and. I see him, you you called him up, which I, it's like bringing up a player from AAA. And I loved it. I said, oh, this is smart. You know, this is going to be good. And he did a really nice job. What do you think, Ray? Yeah, I think he was one of our best outfielders. He caught pretty much everything that was hit to him that game. So that helped us out a lot. But, yeah, he think he played well. He put uh, a couple balls into play, which helped us. Yeah, and he can run. You know, he's he's yeah. got good speed. And what was really nice is all the camp stuff really showed up. You know, his I saw him on deck. He was timing the pitcher's motion. He's thinking about what the pitcher's throwing. You know, he hit the cutoff man on all his throws. He was positioned well in the outfield. I was pretty impressed with him. I really was. So that was nice to see. And, and we got plenty of that in the future. That was always my hope that we'd have... All of the double-A teams would have minor league teams underneath them in double-A, too. And I think there's, I can see that in the future. That was a very rare call-up, I'd say. Uh, <laughs> it was sort of like a last-minute decision, but after working with Anthony all summer and seeing him improve on the field yeah. and seeing how close he is to that level-5 band, I thought like it was definitely the right decision just to call him up and uh, have him play since there's not much. the season's pretty much over. I think he, it'll help him going into next season too, having played that one game in the Double A division. Yeah, definitely. You know, you know what I love seeing was too was was battling Kim O'Keefe showed up to watch the game. Tim O'Keefe, and he's been. Uh, <laughs> what's that? Says his name. Uh oh, get the horn in there. Tim's gonna throw something at it. Tim O'Keefe showed up to watch the game. And that was awesome. You know. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was just nice because, you know, Tim and Anthony, uh, you know, were at the camp and all and, uh, you know, helping out a lot of times with the younger kids and all. And obviously both double-A-2 players. It was nice to see them at those games. They need to know what's ahead of them. What else? Uh, well, as a player on Dylan's team, I would say it was definitely a cool experience. 
It was like the first time on any level I had a coach that was about my age. Even though he was a player coach, it was still very interesting. And every game it felt like we had a chip on our shoulder because everyone knew we were the underdog going in. Yeah. Our experience level was half of most of the teams. Yeah. But it, it was a lot of fun. And I wasn't there for the one game we won, but I wish I, wish I was. Yeah, it, 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 you know, when I think about the Ted Williams League, I, I really like the fact that it gives an opportunity for someone to improve. And I remember Ted talking about that in his Hall of Fame um, induction about, you know, how, you know, uh, baseball is a game and America is a country where, you know, you, you have the opportunity of trying to get better. And, uh, and that's one thing that we do. You know, we, we give you an opportunity to go ahead and to um, try to improve yourself. And that's what I saw uh, the Royal team, and others too, but specifically that team was really fun. What, what was awesome about it too was one of my good friends, Mark Lydon, um, I invited him to come play for the team, and he's never played a day of baseball in his life. But you know what? He showed up. He showed up to the practices that we had. He showed up to all the games. And he gave it his best effort. And you know what? I asked him after the season, what did you think? He was like, oh, I had a blast. He was like, I wish we could keep playing until the fall. And what, describe, I don't know him by face and name, so what What does he look like? I'm trying he's to... uh, the kid with the glasses. Tall, was, nice kid. Yeah, he's outgoing. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, yeah, he's a, he's a good boy. Yeah, I got a big kick out of him. He was really into it and gave it his best. How about Marty? Let's talk about him. <laughs> Where did Ma- who is Marty related to? Oh, he's related to Mark. Oh, perfect. Okay, so so I'm going to tell you this story. So this boy, Mark Lydon, right? Yep. So Mark Lydon shows up. That's his uncle, right? Right. So his uncle shows up, and he's going to play. He wants to play. So I, yeah, sure. This guy did a great job. You know, an older guy, I'd say you're talking late He's 40s. He's 58. He's 58? <laughs> yes. I tell you, he did a hell of a job. He really did. He, he certainly switched hit. Could, he had a real good sense of the strike zone. Pushed the ball where it belonged on the field. My favorite was he made a play at second. Uh, I'm sorry, was he at second base? Yeah, yeah he was at second. So, and he, fit, he, had, he dove on the ground and he flips the ball up so someone else can make the throw. I said, this guy's played some baseball. So he's down the ground, and he flipped the ball up so someone on their feet could handle it and now make that a was, throw. That was the biggest inning of the season by far, too, and he made that, that play in that key of a situation because yeah. it was the last inning of the game. We were up 8-7, to seven, and you you had the tying run on third. And then following that, um, there was a ground ball. Do you remember? I think it was the shortstop or third. Yeah, uh, third, th- third base. Third base with one out. Third baseman throws it to first. And then the runner is coming home. Uh, Aiden Caffrey makes a throw from first base. And I got him out at the end. I loved your tag, too. And what people don't realize about that, too, is that was a throwing hand ball tag. So you caught the ball. And then then he tried to kind of like jump, hop, dive to your right. And you took the ball out of your glove with your bare hand and tagged him like in the knee. Because I made the call. It was an awesome play, you know. It was a one. It was a, a throwing hand ball tag at the plate uh, for the final out in the double A. That was a double play. That was uh, that was cool. That was a nice play. Good way to end the game in your in your only win of the season. 
But um, yeah, Marty was really impressive, and it's you know there's that old dog thing, you know. He's a guy that certainly has has played some baseball, and uh, really enjoyed himself, and um, was fun to watch. What else? Ryan, what was your biggest takeaway from the season? Um, I would probably say the biggest takeaway I have from the season is that we were in almost every single one of our games, no matter. We had bad innings every single game, and we had innings that we pretty much just let the game slip away. Yeah. But <laughs> every game seemed like we were in it, and you know, we were only down by like one or two runs at a time. We never really got down that big all season, which helped us didn't wreck our confidence early on. Yeah, you you hung. If you take out those self destruct innings, you're probably playing 500 ball which was really interesting because that then brings you pretty much with the third-place team. So, you know, you were you were right there, and then those one inning would come up where defensively walk, hit, bat. Where's Tom? What school is Tom at? Oh, Tom Parker. He's down in uh, Orlando, Florida. He Tom, to if you listen College. to the podcast, I'll tell you. What would happen is uh, we would get, the Royal team would get going along, and uh, then there'd be a walk or a hit batter and another walk and then an error. And you know how it goes if anybody's been involved in baseball. And all of a sudden, what seemed like a pretty good game turns into uh, not such a good game, all based on one inning. So it's kind of craziness. But, um, you know, it's funny. You, 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 we talk about the Royal team, but you bounce around the league. And the Purple team, boy, they come out of nowhere to shut black up over the weekend. Uh, I knew that was going to be a really good game. Now, Purple are the defending champions. Blackhead has as good of a team as anybody this year. And uh, Purple just came to play. And they put them in their place. And they also did something which was really interesting. We had created what we call the movable hitter rule. Uh, Now, in the Ted Williams League, we don't take players out of the game. We kind of platoon. Uh, so if you're playing in the Ted Williams League in the double-A division, um, you know, if Smith is playing shortstop and Brown is playing shortstop, they can kind of go back and forth each inning and both play shortstop and both remain in the batting order. Uh, this is just something that we do to make the game more... Um, more a more of an experience when you come in the Ted Williams League, you're playing unless you're hurt, and we have rules for pitching rotation and things like this. Well, in the playoffs, we had altered a couple of rules: a pinch runner rule, and what we called the movable hitter rule, which would take the place of a pinch hitter rule. So, how it worked was, once a game, you could take any hitter. As long he was, as long as he was not up in that inning, and you could move him ahead of any other hitter. So let's say you have the seventh hitter at the plate, and you have the bases loaded, and the first hitter has not batted in that inning. You could say that I'm now going to move the first hitter to bat in front of the seventh hitter with the bases loaded, one time only. Now, the seventh hitter's still up. He's going to get up after the first hitter. We call it the movable hitter rule. And Mike Gunning used that rule to help win that game. 
he batted uh, a, a, a big guy as the leadoff hitter in the last inning. Uh, Neil is his name. I can't think of his last name right now, but Neil is his name, and Neil singled to center. Then he pinch ran for him, and they ended up scoring that run to make it a 3 nothing ball game and uh, ended up winning the game 3 nothing. You know, Black was the home team and did not score in the last inning and won the game 3-0. But it was the first time we've ever used the movable hitter rule, and it was actually used to win a game. Did you guys like that rule? Oh, I loved it. Uh, it... I was holding on to that rule just in case we had to use it. I didn't didn't actually use it on Sunday. Yeah. Because we had the top of the order coming up in the last right, inning. Right, 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 but right. But I saved it and I was hoping I I would have been able to use it, but I just didn't think it was necessary to use it at the time. Yeah. But after umpiring the second game and seeing how Mike Gunning used the rule and how it actually benefited them, I, I loved it. I thought it was it was awesome. Very yeah, you strategic. Know, you know what's cool? I took about two hours to create that li- rule. And um, I sat and thought about how can I come up with a pinch hitter rule that'll be fun for AA, which is more teenage adult baseball. And we'll probably incorporate that rule down to the next division. I can't see it going below that. But maybe down to the next division, which is more like 13 and 15-year-olds. Without taking the the hitter at the plate out of the game. And I said, well, why don't we just insert him? Now, I, what I thought was really interesting is if someone intentionally walked that inserted batter, that, you know, if they intentionally walked him, which they could have done, but with the bases loaded or in the last inning, you're, you you got to really think hard about putting someone on base. So I knew it would be saved, but I really liked the rule, and I, it was fun to watch... Mike use it, and I could see it definitely being used in the championship game as well. So to reiterate, I don't know if you brought this up. So basically, if so, you have the seventh batter in the order, yeah, and you put that pinch hitter behind the seventh batter, and he'll become the eighth not batter. behind him, in front of him, in front of him, yeah. In so front he, of him. so the pinch hitter becomes the seventh batter. So the so the pinch hitter almost becomes like batter six um, B. So if the seventh bat is at the plate, and you're saying, okay, I'm going to insert the first batter in front of... So the, the seventh batter is on, he's going to go to the plate, and you say, timeout, I'm going to move, we'll say it's hitter one or hitter two, I'm going to put them as the movable hitter in front of the seventh batter. So now the seventh batter remains on deck, and the movable hitter now, you could think of him as batter 6B, because batter 6 is either out or on first or second or somewhere. And now this guy is 6B. Now, also what happens is, if that guy gets up again in the game, he does not bat. You skip over him. Yeah, so, that's what I was that's Yeah, what that's what you're getting to. So let's say he was the first batter. So now when we get back to the one hole, we, that batter does not bat. We go to this two-hole. And it sounds all confusing. It really isn't. It's just a really cool, simple rule. And some of these rules sound complicated, but anyone that knows the game is sitting there going, oh, I, I see what they're doing. That's kind of interesting. And now what's nice about it is now batter 7 has not been removed from the game, and we're not batting for him. We're just batting in front of him. And I like that. You know, I, It's not like saying, hey... It's creating an exciting situation one time. That's when I designed the rule. I said, "What are you trying to do here, Steve? We're going to create 
an exciting situation for one time in the game. And one time only. You can't do it twice. You can only do it once. Yeah, and I was about to say, I like how you chose to have it be one time because, like, Dylan had to really think about yep. it. He, he was talking to me and Ryan. He was thinking about doing it, I think, in, like, the seventh inning, top of the seventh. Right. But he decided to hold on to it. It was, like, a 5-2 game. We were going to wait and see if he got closer towards the last inning, then we'd use it. But, yeah, I like how it's one time so it's not abused throughout the entire game. Yeah, and the, and the other thing, too, is I thought it out and I, I was like, well, okay, um, that batter cannot have batted in that same inning. He's not going to get up twice. I, you know, he can't, he can't come to the plate in that inning. He, he, if he was scheduled to bat, you can't, you know, if, if, he, bit, if he let off with a double and then got hit in and scored... And then, you know, three batters later, you go, oh, I'm going to use the movable hitter, and it's the same guy that let off with a double. No. No, it's got to be someone that was not batting during that inning or has not batted yet during that inning. And I think that's cool, too. And then another good point is if and it can burn you, too, because if you had used it in the seventh, and let's say you used Cafferty comes to mind because he's pretty dangerous. So let's say you're going to move Cafferty to be the movable hitter. Or Ryan, you know, you're a left-handed batter. And you're going to move him to be the movable hitter. Okay, now in the ninth, you need him. And you got to skip over him. Now you can't bat. So you could have got smoked on it, too. You know, it can come back to haunt you if you're not careful. Who's the best pitcher in that league? Definitely Mike Jones. Uh, he pitched unbelievable on now, Sunday. Wait a second. Kevin Jones. Kevin Jones. Kevin jo- oh, sorry. Who is Mike Jones anyway? Kev, listen to this. You're not that good. He doesn't even know who the hell you are. <laughs> that's Kevin well, he's Jones. We referred to him as Jonesy. So he yeah, is that's nasty. Funny. Oh, yeah. He, you know, yeah, it's funny too. And and, and he's uh, kind of on the low battery. You know, he's he um, his arm doesn't always feel as good as it, as it used to. It, probably the best way to say it. But he really, he can bring it. And he, you know, he can, and he's just such a classy guy. He's, you know, he's not, he's one of those guys that you, you, I really like having him in the Ted Williams League. He's a good player. He can hit. He can field. He can throw. He can pitch. He can, he can do everything. And he's, and he's classy as well. And he can be lights out. And it was, a, it was a test oh. for him too. I was umpiring game two on Sunday, and the difference between the playoffs and the regular season is in the playoffs. You can pitch four innings, like a single pitcher can pitch four innings, but in the regular season they can only pitch two innings. So Kevin pitched all four innings, and I was interested to see if he would lose his composure after the second inning, but he just kept pounding the zone all, all four yeah. innings. He had, and he, that that game was unbelievable. It was 0-0 to the, the bottom of the sixth inning. And, it was a great game. Oh, yeah. The game was moving along the whole day because it was a pitcher's duel. Everyone was throwing strikes. And Kevin had that rolling curveball going. And Purple pitched good, too. You know, I don't remember the guy's name that started the game, uh, but he was nasty. I think he was a lefty, if I remember right. Right, he was a lefty. He he was nasty. He had a good move to first. I don't know his name off the top of my head, but he pitched really well. But Kevin had that hook going. Oh, he had the good fastball and the... The big nasty curve as well. Oh. Well, for for me, it's actually really weird. If I get in a fastball count with Jonesy, I've gotten on him a few times. For me, the hardest one to hit, and they're on the same team, is when they go Jonesy, and then they put Collier, Chris oh, Collier, God. in after. I can't hit Chris Collier. Have you ever driven a standard shift car? 
Okay, that's like taking a chicken from fifth gear and throwing it into first. And what's really funny about now, if you guys could see these guys. So, I'll describe Kevin Jones to our listeners. He's probably, I'm going to say 6'2", um, and probably 225 would be my guess. Um, Chris Collier is much bigger. And, 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 and Jones throws gas, and you would think, oh, here comes in, Collier's coming in, and if you didn't know him, you'd be like, oh my God, this guy's going to throw smoke. And it's a parachute fastball. It's, he throws the ball, and you're like, you're waiting for it to get there, you're waiting for it to get there, and you swing ahead of it, and he's great at it. He'll pick the corners, he, he, he changes his motion, he's really, he does a very sophisticated job of throwing you junk. And guys just K, ground out, pop out. He drives them crazy. So if you're Jonesy, is, he's got the good live fastball and the nice hard-breaking curve, and then in comes Chris Collier, you know, twice the size of him with like, not like slow motion pitching with fades and runs and hooks and all and it's all way slower and he does a great it's like it's like the Wakefield effect it's that sort of thing here comes Tim Wakefield to ruin your day and he does a great job of it and that is a tough combo yeah it's like like for me whenever I'm playing in that league and there's a pitcher because there's many pitchers like Jones who throw a really good fastball and if I'm in a fastball count I can get on it a lot I feel like I hit good speeds pretty well, but then every time I face Chris or someone like Chris, yeah. it just throws me off, and I just can't, it's so hard for me to adjust to it, because he also throws it, like like you said, he paints the corners, he, he throws it like up and in, down yeah. low and away, Yeah, it, it's so tough to adjust to him. Yeah, that's his whole game, it's like slow, slower, and slow, slow, slower, and stopped. And then on the just off the black, everything's off the black. And now and they'll throw something down the middle, but it's at your chin, and everybody swings at that because it's the only thing that kind of looks normal. And they go after, then they pop it up to the catcher or the first baseman or something. Oh, and not to mention, Chris Collier also mixes in an Ephus pitch once in a while. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, you know who threw the Ted Williams hit the Ephus pitch off a guy named Rip Sewell years ago. No one could hit it out of the park. And Ted, like, loaded up on the back of the box and took, like, a couple of steps into it and drove it. Yeah, I, I heard about that. Wasn't it the center field? I'm not sure field? where he hit. Probably the center because, he, you know, he, you know he, he wouldn't have wanted to be ahead of it, you know. But I, I, I've never seen uh, video of it, but I've heard the story before. That's kind of funny. So I kind of like that. I like that um, that that you know that the the pitcher can fool with the hitter more. They said that uh, Satchel Page threw about seven different pitches from five different motions, and I think that's really interesting. I love I love that. Uh, I think pitching has lost some value there over the years. It's pretty much here's what we do and here it is and you hit it. Uh, anyway, I don't want to get into all that just now, but yeah, the, the Jonesy-Chris combination is really, really interesting. That's a tough, tough thing to face as the batter. And I was surprised yeah. they didn't use Chris in that game the other day. 
But that's not to take away from the fact that afterwards Kyle Donahue came in and pitched following Jonesy. And Kyle pitched pretty well, too. He yeah. threw strikes, got the ball over the plate. Yep. Yeah, I don't... Had a solid curveball, too. Was, I don't think they hit him hard, really. I think that... I can't... I don't exactly remember how that inning went together, but um, I think there was some mistakes in the field. There was some mistakes in the field, and when they got that first base runner on, I, I was... I forget if it was a base hit or a walk, but... They became aggressive on the bases as well, and they managed to pick up two runs in that sixth inning. Yeah, yeah, that was a great game. Final cool. score is three to nothing. Yeah, you know what's funny is I don't know if somebody asked me who's going to win this game, I would have said I have no idea. That's how. And I really like that because now what you got is you have Purple Cardinal, and you know, uh, I don't know what to say about that game either, and that's one of the things I really liked about the Ted Williams League. Because of the way we draft our teams, you know, you can bring in a nucleus, but then that nucleus is evaluated by the division director, and then the draft order is set in reverse of the strongest nucleus. So let's say we got five teams in the division, and Team A is deemed the strongest nucleus. They're drafting last, and that makes a big difference. So then what you end up with is a very fair, balanced group of players, and um, and uh, that's exactly what we have. And uh, like I said, without the with the exception of the Royal team's youth, I think you would have finished about 500, which would have brought you pretty much equal with the third team, which was purple. Um, a very, very interesting year. Some great plays, too. That catcher on the purple team, he is one nasty. He is a good catcher. His name is Sean. I don't know his last name, but a uh, nice play catcher. And Derek, uh, he's really on the black team. He's come a long way from last year, in my opinion. He just frames well and throws well. And, and you know what else he's good? He can go get it, boy. You hit a pop-up over the third base uh, bench, he's old. He can he can run it down. He's, he's I don't even like, feel I don't feel comfortable either having one of my guys lay down a bunt on when we're playing his team as well oh, because he, he can go after those bunts and hose them at first. Oh, he gets out of the box like a shortstop. Oh he's yeah, fast. Yeah, one time I was facing Collier. He threw a slow pitch, one of his many at my chin. I popped it up. It was a the pitcher's ball, and Derek ran from behind the plate and got it yep. almost. Right I remember that play. I remember that play. Yeah. Yeah, it's some, there's some good players. Are really, really, it's really an exciting. Uh, it can be a very exciting league at times. A division might be better said. Some nice outfield plays. I thought they who's the kid was out and left. He had a nice game for you. Oh, it's um Tommy Costello. He's a family friend of mine. I got him to join the team this year, and he's one of our younger guys. He's only 16, but he's he, from Hanover. He's from Hanover, right? Yeah. yeah. And he's new to the league, but he had a blast as well. And he was very, very fast, so I stuck him in the outfield. And he was doing a really good job tracking down flies out there. And that's all you can ask for from a kid his age. Talk about tracking down flies. Did you guys see the play that Robbie Morris made in the first oh, inning? I, I saw that. They hit a bomb wow. to Robbie's out and right. And he runs runs down a bomb to right field. If it drops, you're probably talking a triple. And he pulled it in. At least the double, at least the standout double, at least. 
I can't remember who hit it. I think it might have been uh, David Del Rosso. It, it was Del Rosso, now that I think of it. That ball drops, you're talking third base, because David runs pretty good, and he's aggressive too. So he would have turned the corner on that, and he was flying down the line. That and ball almost went right over Robbie said too, but Robbie turned, opened the gate, stuck his glove up, and unbelievable. made a, one of the plays of his life, in my opinion. He actually, I believe, he hit in one of the runs in that game, too. I think he did. He put a ball in play that I think led to the, in that one inning, in the sixth inning, when Black got in trouble. I think Robbie had something to do with that. I'm almost positive. I can't remember exactly. I think he hit a ball to short, uh, in the hole at short, if I remember right. Anyway, it's, uh, it's uh, you know who's a really good outfielder in that league, too, is Owen McGrath. He, oh, yeah. he's he, a veteran in that league. He's a veteran, and you know, he's one of those guys that you, uh, he's just a pleasure to watch. You know, I've you got to know him over the years, and he is a good play. He makes some nice plays, knows what he's doing. He's nasty as a hitter. He can run a bit. He, he can give you fits, you know. And we can go on and on about this, kind of get on double, double A a little bit, but... Uh, Charlie, what are you thinking over there? Anything? Um, just to have uh, a recap of what was, what was going on tonight or just other other podcasts. This is number three. Yeah, that's um, a good one. Yeah. Number two and number one, where can people get a hold of uh, the league and information? Or Well, probably the best thing right now is we, we were talking about this earlier because we meet before the podcast. I'm really glad you brought that up, Charlie. Is, uh, um, we have asked people they can email us if they want us to bring up any sort of subject matter in the Ted Williams League, um, anything that you would like us to talk about on the podcast. And actually, I did not check the emails today because there could have been something there, but I did not get to it. But um, you can email us at tedwilliamsleague at yahoo.com. Right now, probably the best way to contact us for our fall baseball or our wiffle ball league or whatever we're going to do in the fall would be on our Facebook page. Our website has been under construction, and we really got to, we're really trying to do a bunch of things there, an online store and place all our podcasts and links to everything that we do, you know, the Saving Youth Baseball presentation, everything will be loaded on the website, and it's just a little bit of work, and we, we got really busy this time of year, so it's hard to get all this done at once, but our Facebook page is Ted Williams Baseball League, or you can, you can call us 781-293-2700, or like I said, Ted Williams League at yahoo.com, but no, that's a good point, uh, Jelly, as far as, and then the the um the podcast uh is at um bean pod and it's ted williams league is that's that's our account you can at, find that link on our facebook page and our instagram page we're on instagram at ted williams league so you can find us there as well i forgot about instagram <laughs> we got, we got, i think we got a twitter account too but i don't know all this stuff. It used to be you just call somebody up and talk to them on the phone. Now it's like you got 27 ways of talking to people. 
And I can't keep up with it, I'll tell you. I'm old school. Ted wanted nothing to do with it. He was like, I don't know. He didn't want to hear any of it. I thought it was a riot. I'm with him on some of it. It's like so many different communication modes, you know. And it seems like there's always another one coming up, you know. I thought, Rye, I thought you pitched great this year. Yeah, you know? I thought I did really well. Yeah, you threw strikes. You were walking people, you know. Did a nice job. I was really, really fun to watch it, you know. You know, kept people off balance. and You know, I, I, I've been saying for years, yeah, if you think about it, if hitting is the hardest thing to do in sport, as Ted said years ago, let them hit it. <laughs> and that's the thing that every, nobody can get through their head. Everybody, you know, they, they watch the TV and they think they're facing guys that can do things like they see on TV. Well, guess what? They're not. You know, you, you, know, you watch these guys on TV and any of them can put it out of the yard. That is not the case, you know, in the Ted Williams League where, where everybody's playing with wood. Throw the ball and let the guy hit the Get it out. Don't walk him. Don't hit him. Don't walk him. Let him get himself out. You know, if you can't get him out, then let him get himself out. That's probably the best way to say it. And I don't see a lot of strikeout pitches, what I would consider to be strikeout pitches in the Ted Williams League. I really don't. And who's the boy we're talking about, the lefty that throws smoke there? That we're just talking oh, about. Oh, uh, Sam Dykeman. Yeah, Sam, he throws the ball really hard. And, uh, and you know, he can be dangerous at times. But um, I didn't see a lot of uh, a lot of what I would consider. Well, if you got a two-strike stroke, if you're up there swinging, you know, for the fence with two strikes, in my opinion, you're a moron. So, you know, it's like, I, I don't know how anybody can hit a fastball when you don't know it's coming, when you're not sure it's coming, and that's why you need a two-strike stroke, and uh, that's a part of the game that's just faded miserably at every level of play. But, um, you know, if you've got a two-strike stroke, I don't see anybody that would worry me too much as a hitter, but there are some guys on a given day that are pretty tough, you know. But, uh, you know, I think that... Uh, the youth program was really successful. You know, we finished that off. We're going to head into the fall in a couple of weeks and start our season back up. But I thought the summer morning program went fantastic. We had uh, what was really nice is the Ted Williams League sent boys into the baseball camp. Any boy that had played in the Ted Williams League, the camp had, um, uh, the league had paid a third of their tuition, which was really, really nice. Nice working relationship between the camp and the league. And, of course, the camp created the league. That's where the ideas were formed uh, to bring to Ted and to say, hey, what do you think of this? And that was really cool. So that was nice, and a lot of the boys really enjoyed that. And it was fun. And we had some level ones come out. Uh, you know, Logan um, McLeod took his level one. Uh, P.J. Oh, what's PJ's last name? I'm trying to remember. Oh boy, PJ Bruno, I yeah. believe. Yep. And then also, uh, oh, what is this? Uh, Balin Brown, I believe. Balin Brown also got his level one, and that was really exciting to see. And I know some boys had to go; they couldn't go to the next week. They were going on vacation. We only ran the camp for two weeks because of this, this COVID, whatever it is, you know. Uh, you know, whatever it's going to turn out to be. Um, we finally got back out there, and, but some boys really wanted to be in it for two weeks, and they had to 
go away. They had some other plans, you know, and that was a shame. But that went really well. I really enjoyed having that on the field again. One boy's from, uh, I think he was from Roxbury, if I remember right, or Jamaica Plain. Right. Casey Thompson. Yeah. Uh, and he just loves it. And he was there. His parents were, you going to have the camp? you going to have the camp? I said, I am. I just haven't set the date yet. Be, bear with me, you know, this sort of thing. And he absolutely loved it. And I remember telling him, I said, I'm a city boy. We, You know, we, I played Little League Baseball at Savin Hill in, in Dorchester. You know, uh, I'm a Boston kid. And then we moved out here when I was, you know, my 12-year-old summer, right after baseball was over, we moved to Hanover. So um, it was really fun. He couldn't believe that. He's like, really? I said, oh, yeah. I said, I know I know what it's like to be in there, you know. Back when you could get, <laughs> back when you could get a, you guys were like this, you could get a can of Coke and a, I'm sorry, a bottle of Coke and a bag of chips for a quarter. Yep, walk up to the, the corner store and get a bag of chips and a, and a, bottle of coke for a quarter and then bring the bottle back and get two cents on it later yeah that's it me and my brother that was a blast you know but what else I think wiffle balls would go I think wiffle ball would be a great addition we get some of these double A guys back out on we we wiffle ball we've been doing for a couple of years now and I always wanted to get back to it because I think it's great, you know. I always say, you know, in wiffle ball, you cripe, you get thirty-five at bats a game if you're playing one-on-one. And uh, you know, once you learn how to hit and you learn how to swing, now you need at bats, and wiffle ball will give them to you. So I'm kind of looking forward to that too, you know. Um, you know, push out to some of the guys, see if they want to do it, and and the guys lower than double A, double A two, I think would really enjoy that as well. And I know you guys are probably like, oh, I don't know, I'm, I'm, you know, we got two guys. Well, I'm sorry, we got three guys in college now, because Ryan's away. You're headed again, Ryan. Colby Sawyer in New Hampshire. Colby Sawyer, right? And that what town is that in again? New London. New London. Oh God, I'm gonna have to gas up the truck, go see you pitch a game, you know. And uh, Matt is at Bridgewater State, and yep. Dylan is at Mass Maritime, so that's good, you know. Um, you know, those are two schools I'm very, very familiar with. You know, Mass Maritime, obviously I played for Bridgewater State and Mass Maritime was on our schedule, you know. Um, what else? Anybody got anything else they want to kick around? How, where are we in time on this thing? I don't even know. Oh, wow, not bad. We're cranking right along here, huh? Hmm. Who do you think's going to win it? Do who do you think will win the double A? Should, should we go around? Give yeah, oh, I like that. Good one, Matt. Yeah. I'll, I'll go first. Uh, even though Cardinal was the first place team, yeah, I I think that they, they've had a lot of times when they've had to show up and play with eight guys. They're kind of a little shaky with that. I I think Purple is gonna pull out a close victory. They're gonna do something in the later innings, and yeah, I think Purple's gonna win it again. Ryan, what do you think? I agree with Matt. I think Purple's going to win it. I think they have the upper hand pitching, and they have experience from winning it last year, and most of their team came back for like their veteran guys, so I think they're going to win it again. Really? Now, Charlie, I know you don't know know either of these teams. You want to just pick a color for fun? No, no not particularly. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you could go with tangerine orange, <laughs> creamsicle orange. I'm kidding you. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Dylan? I believe pur- purple's gonna win. I think purple is very. Uh, di- they'll get the bats going every single night of the week. I think Cardinals sometimes they they struggle with the bats at times. Mm-hmm. They've had some games where they they've had trouble scoring runs, and they're really they're really strong in the field. But it's it's hitting. I think I also like Mike Gunning's leadership too. I think he's been great as a captain. Yeah, um, he brings the energy. I think their team chemistry. After watching them on on Sunday, I think they're really good. Te- they're, they have really good team chemistry and. Uh, I think they're going to come out with the win. I think it's going to be very close, though. Yeah, you know, yeah, I think somebody said it best. You know, I think Matt earlier said that the Cardinal had struggled roster attendance. I think that's true of both teams, to tell you the truth. It'll be interesting to see um, how they roster up for the championship game. Now, I think that um, Purple did a fantastic job of it Sunday. And uh, they got more of their horses there. That's a very strong roster, as long as you, you know you got to show up. You know, <laughs> you know. I think Benjamin Franklin's first rule of success is you got to show up, and I completely agree with that. And I think that both those teams have struggled attendance, and it's hard. You know, it's definitely difficult because um i don't know if anyone else out here has ever organized a league but it's very difficult to get on fields at times and uh, it's been hard to be able to know we get the field on tuesday and we get the field on thursday and and um you know we have a lot of baseball interest in our area and it's tough you know getting uh solid scheduling and that leads to difficulty when guys are working and trying to you know play games and all and it's very tricky you know but I, it, I think it's going to depend on attendance. I really do. I think both the teams are very strong. But I will say this. I think that the purple team is faster. You know, they got some guys that are nasty on their feet. If those guys are there, they can cause you a lot of problems. I think the pitching on both teams is very good. Uh, the purple team does have some guys that can blast the ball as well. But they got to be there. They got those three big guys. Neil is one of them. The guy that plays on left most times. He wasn't at the playoff game. Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. And then the 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 boy that usually plays boy, he's man that plays third base and pitch great. Um, uh, Mike Gunning described him once as Tarzan. I can't think of his name oh, yeah. again. Do you know his first name? I can't think of his name. Uh, good Nick, player. Right? Nick. Yeah. Nick, yes, that's his name. And a uh, good player. Good with the bat. He hit a scorcher at Kevin Jones. And Jonesy, I mean, it was a bullet. He hit right back. Remember this play? Right back at him in the first inning, and uh, Jones caught it in the playoffs. Ball was hit hard, and he got his glove on it and took it away from him. And uh, uh, just you know, so they've got some. It's it's an interesting matchup. And then you got you got uh, uh, Workheiser. He can cause. He's a good fielder. He runs well. Can hit the ball hard. You know, Banksy is a solid player. Throws the ball very well. It's this Cardinal we're talking about. Yeah, now. yeah. It's 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 interesting to uh, when you look at the matchups and Peter Cola. I mean, he's as good of a center I, I fielder think Cardinal, in that game. I think Cardinal is better pitching. 
But I do think Purple, they like you said, they can blast the ball. I think they're very plate disciplined as a team in general and can all put the ball in play, two, even though their Cardinal is the stronger pitching. 2 o'clock on Sunday at the Bryantville Field, if you want to watch this, we're actually thinking about podcasting this game. We're trying to get our mechanics of it together. I don't know if we could film it, but podcasting it might be kind of fun. Um, but... Um, yeah, it's 2 o'clock at the Bryantville Field in Pembroke, and that's on Mattachusett Street in Pembroke. And if the game gets rained out, it'd be the following day, uh, Monday. This is, of course, Labor Day weekend. So that that's, uh, we want to say that, and hopefully we'll get this podcast up, cast up on our, uh, our platform tomorrow. That'd be a nice, uh, nice target. But uh, yeah, I would flip a coin on it. I really couldn't say. Uh, I really could not say. I'd have to give my running game to Purple, uh, the power game to Purple. Um, Cardinal, their bats can be tricky. I think it's going to come down to attendance. Uh, the outfields, I would think, stack up pretty pretty even. Uh, again, who's going to be there? And that's... that's uh, that's the problem with adult amateur baseball. <laughs> you know, I could say that for years and years and years. Who can make it that day? And that's very common. Things happen. You know, guys get married. You know, guys are best man at a wedding. And, uh, you know, you, you, they're not going to be there on a playoff game. It's just the way it is, you know. Anybody got anything else to add? One thing I noticed, too, about the Ted Williams League is that it's very hard to beat the defending champs. <laughs> That's for sure. We saw the same thing with the uh, the former royal team yep. years ago. I mean, how many years? How many years in a row did they win? They I, were the, they were a tough team to beat. I think I you know they I'm not back, sh- I'm pretty sure they won back to back championships. Yeah, maybe three, uh, at least two, at least two. Uh, but you know, Seth Ferdinand had. Uh, a run of about five years, Paul Champa. Now, I don't know if you guys recognize these names. Paul Champa had a run of about five years, and you couldn't stop him. And uh, Josh Bailey had a nice run. And um, I'm trying to think, uh, I think I think Banks has won it before. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, it's tricky. I can, Actually, the trophy is going to list them all. They're all listed on the same trophy dating back for the past 10 years. We didn't go beyond that, but the trophy will list all the, all the championship teams of the past 10 years, which is kind of cool. And the way it works is the, the winning captain gets to take the trophy, which is a couple of feet high, gets to take the trophy home for the year, and then he returns it the following year. Um, so... If that, if no one else has anything else to say, and we get anything else they want to add and throw in here, you know, you can tell we're all exhausted from a whole summer of baseball. But uh, we're coming into the fall strong. We'll have a lot more things to talk about. And again, you can reach us Ted Williams League at yahoo.com. You can visit our Facebook page Ted Williams Baseball League. And that's pretty much it. So from Hanson, Massachusetts. I'm Steve Ferroli. This is the Ted Williams League. What do we say? Get a good pitch to hit. To spark up all my fun. Days at the playground. Or right out in the street. Baseball made 